Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Tis the season. <laughs> Tis the season. <laughs> Happy December to all of you. Goodness gracious, we're in Park City today and after we get done with the podcast, I've got to go out there and shovel a foot of snow yeah. out of a very long driveway. <laughs> <laughs> it is a gorgeous day up here, though, and we hope that you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving as we did. Um, I'm sure I, it was an in-laws year for us, and so we went to the in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them, right? <laughs> Um, we had so much fun in Arizona with our daughter there, um, uh, and, oh, let's see. And our son there, and two our, sons, two we have sons, two sons now in, in Arizona. Oh. Our, our life's become a little simpler lately because our nine children live in three little groups of three. They used to live in nine locations all around the world. We still have one in Switzerland, but we count him uh, with the two New York boys. You always exaggerate a little bit. That's not. <laughs> that's a, a big closer, triangle. That's a really big. That's a big <laughs> kind of a long pointy triangle with two in New York and one in Switzerland. We do have three in Arizona and three in Utah now, so our life is a little simpler. We could we could change the name of the podcast to not Iris on the road or in the sky, but Iris in their triangle <laughs> right <laughs> and a little simpler for you but wow we just realized on our way home about three days ago that we the only day we could all meet together in the utah triangle is day after tomorrow so we have been hustling to pull together a christmas party and um and find, I don't know if we're even going to get a tree, but lots of food and lots of fun. Oh, we're going to get a tree. And um, we just have a huge, we have like a 16, we have like an 18 foot tree, but it takes forever to put we're it together. We're not putting that up because we only, we're not putting that we're up. only going to see him from December uh, 3rd when we have our party to um, the 4th. The fourth, is it? Anyway, and then we don't see that too much of anybody, just in little sprinkles until New Year's Eve. So, wow, the family is spreading out. Yeah, and we're going around to them instead of them coming to us, although there is something magical about gathering them. And I'm, I think it's kind of cool to have a Christmas party early in December because then you can just sort of ramp up that Christmas spirit early and then you can just back off and let it sort of, float all the way through the month let that christmas spirit just float all the way right, through right right and no other <laughs> problems at all uh anyway it's going to be fun we are so excited i do wonder though Linda, what do you think i mean i isn't it such an interesting mixture because we hear a lot of angst and anxiety at christmas i mean it is a busy time and it's a commercial time and a lot of people get really tired of that and it's the end of the year and there's lots of things to worry about taxes well among other things among but, other things but it is also this it seems like i don't even know how to say it it's this busy time that's anxious in some ways but 
flowing in and out of it is this remarkable thing we call the Christmas spirit, which I don't know that anyone can quite define. I mean, we all define it a little differently according to our own perspective, but it is a real thing. And, and Christmas has this powerful staying power. So many traditions we've been speaking and writing a lot about traditions lately and you know, about half the traditions a typical family have seem to happen at Christmas time. And that's a lot. Well, of and so much service, you know, of course, yeah. it was um, giving, uh, was it Tuesday? Giving um, Tuesday. Yeah, give, well, you know, there's all Whatever there's day that black, was. Boy, they, Black up with Friday, and then it black just keeps Friday, up and it, Yeah, it goes on, goes on. Cyber but, Monday. Um, but it is a good time to think about those people that are, cold in Ukraine. Oh my, oh my goodness, it's so sad. Well, that is a magical thing about the Christmas spirit, is it something about it turns us to things that we're always aware of, but we're sort of more acutely aware of them at Christmas. I mean, it's one thing to think about the tragedy going on in Ukraine and something we many of us thought would never happen again in the world, just an you know, an attack unprovoked and so on. And yet, you know, it carries on and it, and we all worry about it, but it gets old. After a few months, it's so interesting how you, the acuteness of our awareness and our concern and our pity and our worry begins to subside. But then Christmas comes and sort of ramps it up again because you, it's one thing to think about people not having heat and in Water. Kiev or, or uh. something. But then when you overlay that with Christmas, it somehow becomes more real and more tragic and more, more puzzling that we're still, that as a human race, we haven't managed yet to develop ourselves beyond power struggles. It's a, it's a hard thing, but they have, hey, we're not here to be political. We're here to be joyful. It is a gorgeous, beautiful time of year we always feel a little sad for people that don't live in snow like we do although i'll hasten to say we clear out of the snow shortly after christmas <laughs> we, yeah for those of you who are stuck until april sorry but it really is gorgeous time of year and so many thoughts occur to you that don't come to you at any other time um especially uh i'm doing helping with a lot of music this year, which I haven't done for a long time. And music is such a wonderful thing to lift spirits. And uh, whether we listen or yeah. just make. Linda's putting together so a, a Christmas party for our congregation. It's going to be fantastic, except for one cellist who's a little dubious. Uh, not a party yet. Well, no. A, yeah. a, a program, sorry. I said, I meant program. And, you know, Linda, the other thing to think about a lot is just how, I mean, someone said to me the other day, I was, I was posing this question, is it a happy time or an anxious time? And why is it so mixed in, in how we feel at Christmas? And But why is there this powerful spirit that we can't deny? And, and this friend said, well, you know, you're trying, you're making it too complicated. It's, it's Jesus. And, and it's, a, it's the time of year when, people even who only maybe think about Christ twice at Easter and Christmas. It's one of those times. And I just, I think maybe he's right. Just the greater consciousness of Jesus uh, 
in whatever form. I mean, even if it's not a profound religious person, there's something about thinking, even in passing, about Jesus that changes the very chemistry the of the body. Yeah, you know, it changes things and things in the air. It really is a wonderful time to to contemplate that and think about it every morning. When I wake up, I'm just trying so hard to think now. What can I do to be His hands and His yeah. mind to help others? And I think it is that is the best part of Christmas. Well, and it juxtapositions against all the angst and conflict and power struggle in the world. Just, just the Christmas story that the God of the universe, the creator of this earth, chose to enter and be like us and suffer everything we've suffered and descend below us and to come as a baby in a tiny province without importance and without power. I mean, there's just something so incredible about that that we just marvel at it i i think the word awe that it's my favorite word at christmas I'm, I, i've said this before i'm almost saddened that we we you know it's become the word that, that so many young you know teenagers it's awesome it's awesome i don't mind it i guess i've gotten used to it but the actual word awe i think fits only when we're worshiping and when we're thinking of of Jesus, and that's why I think I'm going to. I don't know if I feel this way tomorrow, but I think right at this moment, my favorite Christmas song is "With Wondering Awe." The wise men saw. We just put up our Christmas decorations around here the other day, and we have a Minerva Tigard uh, painting of the three kings with wondering awe. Yes, and the wondering. The word wonder and awe. Wonder is the other word that I love. Wondrous, wonderful. Wonderful is used so often, but wondrous is is another great word. And that spirit comes over. That's exactly the two things you do when the Christmas spirit washes over you. And it happens at different times. I mean, I don't know. Almost every year there's a particular moment, and you don't even know what triggers it. You might be shopping. You might be just walking out in the snow, and suddenly it's like this. The, I say, I say, wow, I, I, I got the Christmas spirit today. And when you think what that is, it's a combination, I think, of wonder and awe. Yeah, and what it brings is feelings of what can I do for others who are not as fortunate right now. Um, we had a a really interesting experience many years ago now, maybe 30 years ago, we went down um, into what was called a center city mission. And so uh, center city, Salt Lake city. And it, uh, we took our teenagers with us on this project and it was so amazing. What we learned in that year was so incredible about people who are down and out. Um, We learned that you can't help some until they change their minds and that you can help others. And we do have uh, one of our families who we still stay in touch with and sadly just, they moved away. So it's just really at the Christmas time when we think about them. But I love the wonder of, of service and of really feeling that connection with them. And 
They are such a dear family. You know, wow. one thing that makes me think, Linda, one thing we ought to do a show on, a podcast on before Christmas, if we can schedule it, is just memories of different specific Christmases because there's so many and I want to keep them alive in our memory and I want to share them. Um, when we lived in Virginia, we used to go to an, an orphanage each year and I, I'm still remembering the time that our, our little four-year-old daughter, Shawnee, decided she wanted to give all her dolls to the, the orphans. I mean, wasn't it? No, she... Oh, her, 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 favorite, her, her favorite, favorite doll. doll. And, and just little things you remember from different Christmases. The one, the big one, I mean, the sort of, you know, mega memory of the kids giving up their Christmas one year in order to go to Bolivia and over Christmas and, and help people on the Altiplano, the high plains, the 12,000 foot level where llamas and people in wool and poverty prevail. And what a great Christmas that was. And and, so, and all of you have, you know, whether they're little memories or big memories, if you think back, it'd almost be cool to do a catalog, you know, to list all the Christmases and see how many we can remember. I wish we'd done it as we went along, the, the prevailing memory or image of this particular Christmas. And the older you get, the more of those there are, of course. Of course. And some, and the more you kind of slow down for us. I mean, um, we don't do things like that, but we do try to um, do our small things on a, a smaller scale. But wow, you know, this has made me think we need to do more. <laughs> we need to uh -oh. do more. Uh oh, is going to be out serving this afternoon. We need to do more. All of us need to do more to help those people who are in need. It really is so good, not only for um, those people, but for us as a family. And um, yeah, I think that's a that's a almost a thing you could say without question that the more your Christmas traditions involve service, the more memorable they are, the more they do for others, the more they do for you, the more they bond your family. You could go on and on. Well, I remember one Christmas when we found a little family with eight children and no furniture in their house at all. Yeah, yeah. And we were, we got a whole bunch of stuff, including a little portable dishwasher. I mean, they didn't even have beds yeah, on yeah. the floor and I don't know, they probably threw that away or didn't know what to do with it. But we were so excited <laughs> with this pile of stuff that we left on their doorstep on Christmas Eve. And then we watched from across the street when the kids came out. I mean, there are just really so many good memories. And I think sometimes it does us more good than it does them, but it's a good time. Believe it or not, the theme of today's podcast is not Christmas. It It is money. <laughs> now, there's a strange <laughs> combination. <laughs> Christmas and money. But let's take the brief break, Linda, and then let's come back and explain what we mean. It ties into something we're doing with grandparents online this week and the, the wise teaching of children about money. And, and part of it can happen at Christmas. Right. So hang on. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. We um, so appreciate BYU Radio for uh, sponsoring this podcast and our wonderful 
producer, Logan, who is such a good guy and, and so flexible. Thank you, Logan, for doing this. We appreciate it because we know a lot of uh, our daughters, for one, do a podcast and produce it all themselves. And boy, every time we talk to them, it makes us appreciate BYU and Logan for doing all that work for us. And speaking of that, uh, while we're on traditions and Christmas and so on, if you have not yet discovered our Four Daughters podcast, you should do it. It's called In the Arena with the Iyer Sisters. And it's a neat time now because they're taking a break right now, but they their first season was 12 podcasts, all of which you can still get in the arena with the Iyer Sisters. And one of the things that they talk about constantly is traditions that they remember from growing up as little girls in our family and how they've now carried those traditions over to their own families. And of course, Christmas, there's one whole episode on Christmas traditions. It's so interesting to me, the ones they remembered best. I thought you were going to say they remembered how crazy we were. And it really is. Well, that's It true. really is. <laughs> we really were crazy. Even as we were listening to it, we thought, did we really do we that? We were crazy. <laughs> anyway, going on. Uh, we do know that uh, money is always an issue at Christmas time. We want to spend a little time talking about this. Whether you have a lot or a little, it's always um, something to think about during Christmas. And the best way to do it is minimize it. I mean, give gifts that you made or that you produced or that you discovered. Or oh, that no, you don't say that. I, I can't can. make gifts. Well, no, no, no. But I'm just 56. saying have some something of yourself in them. It's not just about the shopping. And the reason we're thinking about this right now is that, <clears throat> as many of you know, we do a monthly seminar on grandparenting. And it's more than that. I mean, we send out materials every week. It's a, it's a full-on class called Grandparenting 101. Kind of a funny name for it because it's really more like a graduate course. I mean, we're really getting into the nuances and, and problems and issues of grandparenting across the board. And the one we're doing, there's six modules to it. And the, the one we're doing this month is is on money. It's on, you know the whole idea of how grandparents can in the right way be part of helping their grandchildren to learn the money skills of earning and saving and budgeting and giving and to really feel ownership in a certain amount of money, which then becomes the training, the raw material for training them to really feel ownership of their clothes and of their education and of everything in their lives. And it's a touchy business when grandparents try to play a role in that to not step on the toes of the parents who are really the stewards over the children and need to be in charge. So we're, we're actually doing that uh, this week. And, and we invite any of you who are grandparents who, who are not involved in that yet, just go to grandparenting. 101.com and you parents who wish your parent wish your parents were a little more sensitive in how they do their grandparenting or maybe you wish they were a little more proactive or a little more involved or maybe you wish they were a little less involved or a little more tactful <laughs> send them to send them to school <laughs> you got to go to grandparenting we, school <laughs> no we we are talking about that this week because we um found a 
funny little glitch in what we've been doing with our kids. And we are really encouraging grandparents to find a way to have their children express their issues. I mean, you know, if they're giving them too much or if they're not doing enough or spending more time with one child than the other or whatever, we are really uh, into that. We are so happy that that happened to us. And it wasn't a big deal, but it was a wake-up call. And I think that's really important. Yeah, but let yeah. me just say, well, I just to clarify, Linda's talking about a, an actual questionnaire we developed one year to ask our children in some depth what, what they wanted our help on as grandparents and what they didn't and whether they wanted us to take initiative or wait for them to ask and on and on and on. And it was an eye-opener for us. Right, it was. It was really pretty amazing. But let me just say that well, we're talking about all those things you can do with money that giving is really a big deal at Christmas time. And um, we always had our children buy their own gifts for their siblings by earning their own money. And that has been really interesting to see how that's played out in our grandchildren with our children and their children. In fact, but, let me just say, Linda, someone asked the other day of all the things, because, you know, We've had a lot of experience, in there, and they were focused on Christmas. What's the single most important thing you did at Christmas in your family? And I just off the top of my head said it was separating the giving part from the getting part. And and this, this person said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, we learned fairly early on, and we got better at it as the years went by, that it's a hard thing to mix that. It's a hard thing to mix giving and getting on Christmas morning. It's a hard thing to mix if I might be so blunt, it's a hard thing to mix Jesus and Santa Claus. And it's a, it's a hard thing to separate them in kids' minds. And so we hit on the simplest, the best ideas are the simplest, right? And for us, for all those years, Christmas Eve was only about giving. It was the nativity. It was the Jerusalem Supper where we would gather and pretend we lived. 2,000 years ago, and Mary and Joseph were leaving the next morning to go to pay their taxes in Bethlehem. And we had get, a Bethlehem it. supper so that all the food was what they would have eaten. And and turn off lights, candlelight, it was, it was really fun to do. And, and following that was the time when, what you, what, I, what you reminded me of, honey, when the focus was on the giver. Each of the kids would give their gifts, the ones they had earned and saved or made and developed. And there was no focus on getting. It wasn't like, oh, you got such a cool thing from your sister. It was like you, the giver, that's amazing that you were able to get that for your sister. How did you know that that's what she wanted? How did you make that? How did you afford to buy that? How did you? So all the, all the attentions on the giver that entire night. And, and why do we remember that so well? Because it was so beautiful to see little kids for a little while putting off what's going to happen tomorrow morning when Santa's been and you're going to open your own stuff and you're going to get stuff. This is about you giving stuff. Well, listening to you makes me realize that there are families that only have one child. And so that makes that, it a, yeah, a that, short yeah, party. Of course, yeah. um, and, um, but they can still give gifts to the parents and the grandparents mm-hmm. and so on. And um, some have little babies and so on. But as you consider your traditions, as you as your family grows, um, we just want you to know that 
that was one of the probably most useful things that we did at Christmas time. And it even, again, you know, I used to worry about this. I look back on it, I probably worried too much about it. And that was as our kids started getting older and coming to reality regarding Santa, I just didn't want that to, to be confused with Jesus. And so we made this tremendous effort to separate the two. <laughs> and we even called, you know, we called we called Santa real imaginary and we called Jesus real real. And we we probably overdid that. Yeah, well, spoiler <laughs> alert, you you have to handle it. <laughs> you want to handle it with your own family. But um but it is confusing sometimes to kids and you have to remember that they they realize that Jesus is real and even though we can't see him we see santas all over yeah yeah yeah. and the kids kind of know that but you have to do that however you feel about doing it because i do remember um being kind of deflated um when i realized that my parents were putting the gifts out you know but um it really was it's a magical time you need to keep it magical as long as you can so having said that let's go on well i just wanted to quickly say that that listening to our own daughters recall their childhoods was so interesting for us i mean they remembered things we'd long ago forgotten and they and some things were were not important i mean you know we we had eggs benedict on christmas morning and wow were there a lot of memories about that and the lengths that you went to honey to be sure we kept that tradition even when we were Wait, did we have Eggs Benedict in Bolivia that Christmas? Oh, we got up. <laughs> it's got up at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning and did it and put in twice too much butter. And then they had to Ooh, do, those were good do it over. And those were really good ones that they did over. Anyway, um, traditions are so fun at Christmas time. And where no matter where you are and the journey of, of mothering, grandmothering, grandfathering, uh, it really is so fun to establish some traditions as you think back on your childhood. For years, we went out and cut our own Christmas tree and dragged it in. I mean, what, one year. Everyone, one year. no, no, I, we did that. No, no come on. One year. Well, no. Why do I remember that? So because long? you have a magnificent memory. <laughs> oh, it's because it was a big tree and I nearly <laughs> killed myself. Um, but, you know, whatever those traditions are. And then the idea of, minimizing the busyness and maybe focusing on one gift and not many and all that sort of thing comes in. And it does make this a little bit of a connection to what we're going to be talking about this coming Monday on this grandparenting class. And that is, you know, how can a three generation family work together in a way that shares material wealth in a in a in a form that doesn't create entitlement some of you and i know i'm really shifting gears a little from christmas but but that's what's on our minds now for this coming monday and by the way it's not too late you can sign up if you're a grandparent or if you have a parent you think should be involved this is one of those classes you can enter at any time each of the modules are self-standing so Again, grandparenting101.com. But what we're going to be doing is talking about ways that parents and and grandparents can communicate and have the common goal of helping children 
to feel real ownership. Ownership is the key word. And it's an interesting one because I don't even like the word ownership for, for adults. I think adults are better off when they think in terms of stewardship. The, the humility of saying, I, I don't really own this house or this car. I, I'm a steward of it. Everything passes through me. God owns everything. And I, I like to think that way. But for our children, the idea of passing through a, a phase where they understand ownership, where instead of an allowance, they're, they're given uh, a, por- a portion of the family's money because they do a portion of the family's work and they feel like they've earned the money through their chores or whatever. And then they buy their own things they need. It's not one of those constant barrages of, can I have this? Dad and mom, will you buy me this? You owe this to me. The world owes me a living. I want this. I want that. It's more a question of, can you save your money and buy the things you want? Can you appreciate the the fact that since you earned the money, the things you buy with the money really belong to you and you'll take care of them. And can you give some of your money that you earn to the church or to the charity or to a Christmas cause? And can you budget and can you save a certain percentage? And can you learn what interest is? And can you begin to be self-sufficient in little, little chunks as you grow up in a family that really cares? And can the grandparents be brought into that where they don't ruin the system by giving kids everything and where they're involved in some teaching about these principles of how to live frugally and carefully and how to save and so on. Well, what we learned soapbox there. Right. Exactly. But what we learned in raising our children is that they, they all thought of money in a little different way. You know, we had some kids that would just got the money that they earned and then they just spend it for the next week. And then it was all gone. But at least they'd earned it. And at least they'd earned it. And but they then, learned the lesson. But then we have yeah. others that would not give up a penny because they were so <laughs> little misers. about, you know, saving it, saving it. And, and then interestingly, what happened in our family is the one that spent the most has become a lot more conservative. And the one that spent the least has realized that, it's nice to buy some beautiful, yeah. nice thing, just one nice thing rather than a whole bunch of little things. So it's really been interesting for us to see. We're not saying that you can teach your kids and they'll all just do exactly what you tell them to or what you teach them. But it is interesting to see how that has played out in their lives. Okay. So remember two podcasts, our daughters is in the arena with the Irish sisters and our grandparenting class is grandparenting101.com. This is Richard and Linda Iyer. We love talking to you a little bit each week. And obviously, December is going to have a lot more on Christmas. Absolutely. We wish you the very best week and hope to see you next time on Iyer's on the Road. Goodbye till then. Goodbye till then.